What is going on, football fans? Back at it with, I think, our fourth podcast on uh, Mike and Tana talking sports. We're going to be doing a lot more of these during the offseason. Be a lot to talk about, being that the Giants are going to be very busy. We've already begun the coaching search. We got that done with. We're going to talk about that in this video. Um, I'm sure we'll have the OC and DC all the answers in the future. We'll talk about the possibilities there as well. We're going to dive into a lot of things. We're going to dive into some playoff football, some quarterback news with Brady. Sure, that's a hot topic as well, man. But Mike, what's going on, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, of course. I know it's our podcast, but still, it's going to be fun to talk about Brian Dable, you know, new Giants coach, which got us excited. Seems like a very personable guy, so I like that. And some NFL playoff stuff and quarterback news with Brady, who's been around like my whole life, and then talking about Rodgers' future. So we got a lot to talk about here. A lot to talk about. And yeah, we'll start with, uh, in terms of the Giants news, the huge news, we finally hired our new head coach. Um, you know, I think it was pretty obvious when we hired Shane that he was the clear favorite being that he was really the only offensive guy that we brought in. And I think we both agree that that was probably the direction the New York Giants needed to go. His ties to Shane obviously has done a good job with Josh Allen. Who gets more of the credit? Who knows? I guess we'll find out with this football team. Um, But Dave had his first press conference. I thought he did a pretty good job. I'm not going to get carried away. As a fan base, we went, you know, crazy with uh, Joe Judge. And, you know, we're not going to anoint this guy anything until he starts to show it on the football field. But a good start uh, for Dable as the New York Giants head coach. And, I think, you know, based on the candidates they brought in, he was the right guy for the job. Yeah, it wasn't much of a surprise he got the job. He, he always did seem like the front runner. There was that scare that he might go to the Dolphins, and, and some people did not take that seriously. So for those who did not, then you were right. Um, but, yeah, I always wanted the Giants to go in an offensive head coach direction. I think out of the six candidates the Giants had, five of those guys were defensive-minded head coaches. So Brian Dable was like that lone guy as an offensive guy. And I think the most important thing for the Giants over the next couple of years is finding that quarterback position, whether it's Daniel Jones gets much better or we draft a guy. And I just think Brian Dable with his history with Josh Allen, who was a guy that, you know, based on revisionist history going back to 2018 was not a sure thing going back, you know, coming out of Wyoming. A lot of people had questions and said he should not be uh, a top 10 pick, but he was. And Brian Dable was able to help make him into an elite quarterback today. So I think, you know, I'm not saying we'll get the next next Josh Allen here, but having Brian Dable, who knows how to groom a quarterback like that, it's very appealing. So I'm happy about the hire and he does seem like a great guy. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think that's most people's mindset. It's not got to go in realistic. Like, don't expect Daniel Jones to be Josh Allen. Like, that's ridiculous expectations. Right now, you could argue that Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the league. He's at least in the discussion. Um, I'm not going to have those kind of, you know, expectations for Daniel Jones. But what I do expect is for them to put Daniel Jones in a much better situation than he's been put in since he's been in the NFL. And if Jones is the starting quarterback, which it looks like he's going to be, based on what we've heard uh, come out from both Shane and the and the new coach with Dable, um, I would I would expect Dan Jones to be an improved product this year, especially if they fe- you know focus on the offensive line. And after next year, if Jones improves, then we're going to have to come to a decision whether or not we want to push forward. But regardless, I, th- I think it's p- important to get the most out of your quarterback position, which is going to kind of turn me uh, to the offensive coordinator because a lot of us thought for sure. And we started to hear the rumors that Ken Dorsey was definitely a strong possibility. The Bills went above and beyond. They keep Ken Dorsey. Um, and now it sounds like it's between three guys. Everything that I've seen on Twitter from all the insiders, people brought up Chad O'Shea, people brought up Kafka. Um, and, and of course, uh, Pep Hamilton, who is a my favorite probably. But I, I don't think you go wrong with any of the three. It's just a matter of what which order you prefer. Uh, O'Shea's got ties to Dable. Uh, with his New England roots, uh, both of them, you know, th- that that's where the tie is there. 
Hamilton, to me, is the guy that I like the most, though, due to due to his quarterback whisperer status. We talk about the quarterback. That's the most important thing. We brought in Dable. That's going to help the quarterback position. Now you can bring in a guy that's worked with Andrew Luck, both in college and the pros. He was a hot head coaching candidate. Um, then I went back and looked at articles while he was with the Colts. A lot of people thought he was going to get a head coaching job then uh, when they saw the work he did with Andrew Luck. Davis Mills this previous year, Justin Herbert the year before that. So he's a guy with a reputation for getting the most out of the quarterback position. But what's your overall take on these guys that we're bringing in? Well, it seems like based on most fans' reaction that, you know, people really want Pep Hamilton or even Mike Mike Kafka. I've heard his name the past couple of years brought up in a positive light. I feel like Chad O'Shea, people are kind of down on him because he was more of a one-and-done offensive coordinator. Now, how much of that's Brian Flores and how much of that's Chad O'Shea? Because we know how quickly Brian Flores went through offensive coordinators there in Miami. But, you know, when he was there in 2019 – they started the year with Josh Rosen, and we know he sucked. And Fitzpatrick came in; they got better towards the end of the season. So maybe Chad O'Shea does. You know, maybe he is a good play caller. I have no idea, but I guess any of the three guys I'd be okay with. I don't really love a particular guy, really. Like nobody sticks out to me as like that's the guy we have to have. But looking at the history of Pep Hamilton, you talked about Andrew Luck, Herbert, Davis Mills. It's like that's great to see, of course. And Mike Kafka. I don't know much about the guy. I just know he worked with Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs for a while. So when you work with Mahomes and see the success he's had, it's like, let's get our hands on that guy too. But like, I don't know what type of offensive philosophy these guys would bring and, and how they would make Daniel Jones and the offense be much better. It's more of a wait and see for me. But at this point, I kind of just trust Joe Shane, Brian Dable to make the right calls. Like I'm at that point right now where I have no reason not to trust those guys until proven otherwise. And it's the same thing with the offensive line coach. I don't know much about Bobby Johnson, right? But at the same time, I trust these guys. He was obviously one of the first guys Brian Dable wanted, so I'm going to hope it's the right hire. But, yeah, as for OC, I mean, I guess with Chad O'Shea, there's some some bad connotation there. But the other two, it's um, they're looked at very highly. So I'm just excited to see who it's going to be. Yeah, and you bring up Bobby Johnson, uh, who, of course, was the offensive line coach the Giants just hired from Buffalo. The thing that I like the most about that is I have to think there's going to be continuity there. Like he's not going to be a guy that they're just bringing in for one year, you know, because a lot of people were talking about other guys they could potentially bring in. This is a guy with strong ties to both the head coach and general manager. They clearly really like working with one another. The fact that he was willing to leave Buffalo to come here, I'm assuming um, that Buffalo want, would want, want to have him back based off the job that he did with all the injuries they had on that offensive line this year. They still were one of the best in terms of pass protection, not the best in terms of run blocking. But, um, yeah, I, I would think that that's going to be a multi-year position for Bobby Johnson. That's something that the New York Giants have not had on the offensive line in terms of an offensive line coach. We've had constant turnover at that spot, specifically since Joe Judge took the job. So when they hired him, due to his ties with Buffalo, more so than anything else, like you, I don't know a ton about the guy, but I have to figure he's going to be here for a number of years, which is good because if you really want to build – an offensive line, specifically a young one, because you have to think they're going to bring in at least two starters in the draft this year with Andrew Thomas. You want to have an offensive line coach that's going to be there for at least three years the way he was with Buffalo. So more so than anything else, I think that was the thing I liked most about the hiring of Johnson. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, outside of Andrew Thomas, we've talked about it. There's no guys on this offensive line, maybe Nick Gates, depending on how he reacts from the injury and comes back from it. There's not many guys that are like for sure – starters going forward like will hernandez is probably gone you would think that nate Solder's probably gone most of these guys were picked up before the season started the ben bredesen type guys and whoever else billy price they're probably gone too so you just have andrew thomas and like it's a very tall task for any offensive line head coach in the first place but for a job like this with the giants a team that 
has not gotten that position right in a decade plus now. Um, it's a lot to ask for. I just hope he's the right guy. It's 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 going to be a difficult one, but you mentioned it. It was a good point. They're probably going to draft two, maybe three, maybe more offensive linemen in this draft. So we have to have that young, well, not young, but just had to have a good teacher for these young players. And, and hopefully the Giants find a way to have a, a better offensive line next year because God knows it can't get much worse. Yeah, and a teacher that you feel is not going to leave you after one year. Yeah. And I, I feel like that wouldn't be the case with Johnson. So that that's what I like most about that hire personally. Um, as far as the DC goes, they've said it's going to be Patrick Graham um, if he does not get the head coaching job. Now, he is a finalist with the Minnesota Vikings now. It's down to four candidates. He's one of them. And we'll see. Um, you know, if he does get that job, though, Mike, as much as I, I actually like Patrick Graham, I don't know your feelings on him. We'll talk about him throughout the podcast. But it'd be great for the Giants because now with the new Rooney rule, the Giants would be afforded two comp picks. And there's a lot of good defensive coordinator candidates out there. So I'd be happy if Graham is back. But in the back of my head, I'm like, eh, I hope Minnesota hires him to be the head coach. <laughs> yeah, I actually forgot about that. That's a great point. I saw you uh, say that before. Um, there's a couple guys, if Patrick Graham did hypothetically get the job, that I would love to have. Of course, Don Martindale from the Ravens comes to mind as a I mean, really good defense coordinator for a long time. And then now the name is blanking me, the the um, head coach Fangio. for the Broncos, Fangio. That's the guy. I love his philosophy as well, his scheme. Um, one of those two guys I'd be very happy with. And if we can get the extra picks because you know of um, you know, of Patrick Graham going to the Vikings, that's something that, look, you can sell me on. Like I, I do like Patrick Graham. He's the one coach here that we actually really liked because he was innovative and would actually change up his scheme when he needed to and would actually make adjustments unlike um, – Jason Garrett and Joe Judge. He's the one coach we liked. So it'd be a shame in a way, but I guess we would benefit from it. And as you said, in the back of our minds, we know there are really good defense coordinator uh, candidates out there. So if we can get one of those two guys and, and get the extra picks, I guess really it's it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I have a lot of Giants fans like tell me that Patrick Grant, they don't like Patrick Grant because of his, his bend but don't break approach. But my answer to that, Mike, is he doesn't have much of a choice. Like yeah. we, we, we don't have a pass rusher. We, you know, like a guy that could like, you look at the 49ers, they could get pressure with their front four without blitzing. They get, you know, Bosa consistently is getting, we don't have that on this team. So he, he really does it out of necessity, not so much out of like desire. That's the way I look at it. I think that's why he plays a lot of Ben, but don't break approach. He tries to create turnovers. He tries to rely on the quarterbacks and opposing offenses to make mistakes, whether that be, you know, penalties or poor decisions in terms of throwing the football to stall out drives. So I think he did the best he could with what he was provided with, um, not to mention he had some injuries this year. So I'm on board with Graham. I think Graham's a good defensive coordinator. And, and I'd be I was going to say, I was going to say, and remember how bad our offense was last year. Like, how are you supposed to have a good defense with that? And your offense is doing literally nothing. So I, I like to give Patrick Graham a pass. And as you said, no premier edge rusher since being here. Uh, we pay Leonard Williams to be that guy. I guess he's had his moments, but like, we don't have like that actual number one edge guy here. And like, think about our cornerback two position last year, Ryan Lewis, Corey Ballantyne, uh, even Isaac Yadam, like, there was just nothing great there. So for Patrick Graham to do what he did and give us, I think it was a top 10 defense last year, close to it, um, was amazing. And this year was more middle of the pack, but even that's impressive in itself because the Giants had pretty much the last ranked offense just about every category. So he's been impressive. Yeah, and the other question, I, we didn't talk about this before we did the pod, but it got me thinking as you were talking, Joe Shane came out this week and said he's going to shed $40 million on next year's cap. Mm. And when you look at it, it makes me think – that Bradbury and Martinez might be casualties because 
where are you going to get that 40 million from? Those two players alone save you 20. And then you got guys like Rudolph, you got guys like Dixon, a number of other guys at the back end. But if they were to cut those two guys, it makes this job that much harder. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the New York Giants do. I think if they cut Bradbury, which I think is a distinct possibility, unless they extend him, good chance we draft the corner in the first round. I know a lot of Giants fans may not want to hear that, but I think it's just a distinct possibility if we were to move on from Bradbury. Yeah, and that's a good point. I remember all the hype that, uh, what's his name, Derek Stingley got since being a freshman. So, I mean, you never know. It could happen. I would love to take a corner because I think it's a very important position. We saw how great the Giants' defense was when Bradbury was playing near like a top five corner. So, that's going to help a lot. So, I mean, I like Bradbury. I actually do want him around for the next couple of years, but I know how insane the cap pit is and how they had to move around his contract. So, if they have to do it, and it's fine because I know in the back of my mind as a Giants fan, the thing that matters the most is just getting things right for the future it's not about next year it's about 2023 24 so if they have to move on from him it's it's okay but i do think you know from a talent standpoint this team will miss james bradbury a lot for sure and martinez too i bet he's coming yeah. up the injury i think martinez is more of a short thing to cut um and if they were to keep bradbury it makes you think maybe we take a first round linebacker who knows we're gonna get a lot of answers as the draft uh you know gets closer and closer i can't wait to talk you know more more draft content with you as we as we get closer, we get more ideas. We got the Senior Bowl this week, so maybe some news will come out with that in terms of players that the New York Giants interviewed or showed interest in during the time. But still a long way to go before we get to that. But that's going to turn us now to, like, the broad topic today. And it is, obviously it's playoff time, so there's a lot of broad NFL topics. We're going to get into Tom Brady. That's the huge story of the week in terms of the broad NFL landscape. We'll talk about, I guess, our memories of Brady, what he meant for the game, yada, yada, yada. Also going to touch on Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. We don't know. Like, if you would have asked me, Mike, let's start with Rodgers. If you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said Rodgers is staying. I, I would have said I think Rodgers is going to stay because I looked at the Green Bay landscape. I said to myself, where is there a better spot for Rodgers to go? And I, I, I don't know. Like, he's he's flourished in the little floor scheme. He's going to win back-to-back -back MVP awards. He's got his buddy, Devontae Adams. They've got a strong offensive line when it's healthy. It wasn't healthy this year. Got a good ground game. Like, he's got all the pieces in place there. However, Green Bay, when you look at it, has a lot of issues this upcoming offseason in terms of cap space. And a lot of people are starting to speculate that they're going to lose a lot of these players on both sides of the ball. Um, so, Zadarius Smith being one of them, Devontae Adams being another. So, we'll see with that. And I'm starting to really believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded. And the question then becomes, if he is traded, where does he end up? Yeah, I mean, a lot's happened in the past week or so with Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I've always been a defender of his, but I can't really defend what happened last uh, Sunday. It's ridiculous how they couldn't win that game. Um, I know it came down to special teams pretty much, which is kind of a rarity, but that game was really decided by the special teams, and I actually saw the Packers special teams guy got – or the coach got fired. You know, that's probably uh, – that was bound to half for how bad they were. But anyway – yeah, I mean, for Rodgers, I think at this point I would be surprised if he was back in Green Bay. I don't think he retires. I mean, it could happen, of course, but I don't think he will. I don't think he wants to go out like that. Too much of an ego to do that. And I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers, after that game in the post game was talking about all these guys that are free agents, as you mentioned. He went down the entire list of naming this guy, this guy, this guy, of who's a free agent. He's thought about this. He knows it. I think Aaron Rodgers knew this was kind of the last ride in Green Bay. And 
you know, there are certain situations where there are attractive destinations. Of course, the Broncos gets brought up. You know, Peyton Manning made a late career switch there for different reasons, of course, with the neck injury. But he went to a pretty good Broncos roster, and they were able to make the Super Bowl twice in a row. They won a Super Bowl. So if the Broncos can get themselves in Aaron Rodgers for, you know, a couple of years, it's a pretty damn good investment, I think, because we know they're a quarterback away. So at this point in time, I think number 12 is probably done in Green Bay, which can be tough to imagine. But at this point, I just don't like Aaron Rodgers said himself, I'm not I don't want to be part of a rebuild. He knows what the cap situation, the guys leaving. It, it might be that way. And you have a young first round quarterback sitting right behind you entering year three. So it makes all the sense in the world. It doesn't have to be the Broncos, but I think right now that that's one of the teams that make the most sense. Yeah, the Broncos have been a team you heard a lot about, and I should have talked a little bit about the way Rodgers choked because, like you, I've always been a Rodgers defender. I'm a huge Rodgers fan. I think he's an incredible quarterback. But what I will say, you can't defend it anymore. I mean, it's mm -hmm. gotten to a point like the, like the common defense for me was always, look at his defense. They've always given up 35 points or more in all of his losses. They haven't helped him out at all. In this game, I don't care what the weather conditions were like. At the end of the day, you went right down the field your first drive. You scored seven points, and you did nothing after that. And, yes, I know that special teams blew the game for them, but you're Aaron Rodgers. You're a franchise quarterback. You're held to a higher standard. If you can't win a game when your defense only allows 13 points, in which pretty much all of it was due to special teams, when you score seven points on the first drive, yes, you choked. He absolutely <laughs> choked in that game. It is his job to put the team on his back, and we're going to get to Pat Mahomes in a second and what he did in his game the, uh, in the AFC Championship game. But Rodgers absolutely came up short. In terms of the teams that make the most sense, I have to think the Packers are going to trade him out of conference. Now, maybe if a team in conference gives him a great deal, maybe he does get traded in conference to a team like the Saints or I don't know. But out of conference, the Broncos make the most sense, like you said. He gets to go to a place where the air is really thin, Maybe that extends his career. They got a ton of weapons. They've got, you know, they've got a pretty complete team. The defense is really good. And now you bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers. The other team that I think makes sense, even though I do think the Broncos are the favorite, is the Raiders. I could see a quarterback swap, similar to like what happened with Stafford and Goff, a quarterback swap plus draft picks like Green Bay gets Carr. And he, you know, maybe they don't believe in love. Love didn't look too good as, you know, the, when he got his opportunity this year. So I could see that as well. I think that could make some sense. Maybe the Raiders feel like they're on the cusp of potentially being able to compete if they can get a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But I'm with you. I think I think he, I think it'll be out of conference. And I do think the Broncos would be the favorite to land him. And if the Broncos land him, Mike, you look at the quarterback landscape. The NFC is horrible. In comparison to the AFC, now that Tom Brady retired, which we're going to talk about in one second, in this hypothetical scenario, you lose Aaron Rodgers. Who are the quarterbacks in our conference that are young outside of Kyler Murray? I mean, you got Trey Lance, maybe, who I think could be <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. Outside of that, there are no young quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, but I think we could both agree that Dak Prescott is good, not great. Um, you look at the AFC, I mean, you got Josh Allen, you've got Pat Mahomes, you've got Justin Herbert, you got Joe Burrow. You've got potentially Trevor Lawrence if he could emerge into being a better quarterback. And there's more and more and more. You add Aaron Rodgers to that list. Like the NFC, Mike, as crazy as this sounds, I was having this conversation the other day with my friend. If Rodgers leaves the NFC, the NFC East going into next year might be the second best division in the conference. Mm, that's, that's scary. <laughs> because that the is, NFC yeah. Because the NFC South is garbage now that Brady's going to leave the Bucs. Who knows who the quarterback's going to, you know, step in. Maybe it'll be Rodgers if they if they trade him from within conference. Um, 
But the NFC South is kind of weak. The Falcons aren't very good. The Saints, who knows what's going on with them? They lose Sean Payton. So they're a mess. Um, and, and the same can be said for the NFC North without Rodgers. I mean, the Vikings are decent, but you could at least make an argument. The, the NFC East is on par with any of those divisions outside of the NFC West. I mean, the conference <laughs> looks like it's uh, it's a mess right now. <laughs> it's it's crazy how much can change in a year in the, in the NFL, especially. I mean, it's just like we went from just like the laughing stock of any conference or any division to being, you know, one of the, uh, yeah, of course the NFC West is going to be number one. We know that of course, having, you know, Russell Wilson in that division and Stafford and the 49ers, but at the same time, I mean, looking at it now, I mean, yeah, I can't really take these other divisions that seriously. I know our division, the NFC East is really not that great, but it just compared to these other two, it's like not that much worse. I mean, the NFC South is rough looking right now. I mean, a, a few years ago, you're talking about a division with Drew Brees and, and Tom Brady and the Panthers weren't that bad when Cam Newton was in his prime, of course. So it's it's weird how quickly things change here. But, I mean, I guess it's good news for us as Giants fans, getting all these good quarterbacks out of the conference, and maybe we find a way to make a run. Who knows? Yeah, maybe not next year, but in, in, yeah. in, in, the, in the upcoming years. And I was thinking about this. I don't know if it'll happen. It probably won't. If there was ever a year where – a division could get all four teams into the playoffs, it would be next year. The NFC West, oh, all yeah. four teams, it's possible, could make the playoffs. I mean, the Seahawks, who knows, right? Because we don't know about Russell Wilson. They're not that great to begin with. But the other divisions are that weak where it's not out of the realm of possibility, which is which right, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's, th- let's turn now to Brady because that's obviously, like, the main focal point. Brady, it came out from Schefter, originally retired. Then it, they kind of backtracked, and I think it was because Brady wanted to be the guy to break the news. Kind of like like I got like those LeBron James vibes, like when LeBron James <laughs> wanted to announce the team that he wanted to go to. I think it was the same thing with Tom Brady. He wanted to be the one to make this like a special thing to officially announce it. Schefter broke it, kind of ruined it for him, and then Brady came out and said it. The interesting thing that I found from um, the, uh, the uh, I guess the whatever it was that he released on Instagram, he didn't mention the New England Patriots once. In the entire transcript, he mentioned the Bucks. I think it was seven times uh, from what I read. <laughs> Didn't mention the Patriots one time. And, of course, like 95% of his career was with the Patriots. He just, you know, they deserve – that organization is the reason Tom Brady is who he is, Belichick being a big part of it. Um, but I just found that interesting that um, – didn't men- mention the Patriots once. I saw he quote-tweeted them, but that's it's not the same. You know, you got to be in that, that whole transcript. I mean – yeah, I mean, when he left New England, of course, there was those rumblings of like him and Belichick they didn't really get along towards the end. And maybe there is some bad blood there still. I don't know. I would like to think they've resolved all that by now. But um, with Tom Brady in, in Tampa, it just seemed like a different guy, a, a much more relaxed, fun type of guy. I know he's accomplished everything by that point. Didn't really matter anymore. Of course, he still went on to win a Super Bowl last year, but it just seemed like a way more relaxed environment. And I guess in New England, Tom Brady wasn't able to branch out and be who he wanted to be. So now that he left and experienced Tampa for a couple of years, he may just realize like, hey, I could have been this way my entire career. But, you know, yeah. thanks to Bill Belichick, I was stuck being this guy. But, you know, I, I don't think he would trade that for anything. I think all the success he's had and how much of – um you know, a winner he is and how much he loves to win. He wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I just think Brady wishes he could have won and been a bit more free at the same time. But I mean, I guess sometimes he can't have both. So where do you think Brady, well, you you think Brady, uh, do you think, no, I, I shouldn't even say, where do you think he ends? I think there's no argument. He's the GOAT. Do you think anybody will ever be able to approach what Brady accomplishes as an NFL quarterback ever? Mm, 
I don't think so. Appearances, seven yeah. Super Bowl titles. <laughs> I just I find it hard to believe. I mean, it's so hard to get there in the first place. We know that. Look at Aaron Rodgers' career, who we just talked about one time in his whole career, um, a Hall of Fame career. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's possible because you have to have a mixture of best coach in the sport and best quarterback in the sport at the same time. And just to have that mixture, it's like you're not always going to get it. And most times when you do get it, you get the quarterback on the back half of his career. Like when you trade a Peyton Manning or trade for a Matthew Stafford, you get them in the back half of their career to get Brady in his early 20s, mid 20s to start in New England and have all that happen for a 20 year stretch. It's it's very rare to even have that happen. So I would find it very hard to believe I'm going to go to my grave saying this is probably the best quarterback and most accomplished quarterback I'll ever see. If we do see another one, I'd be shocked, but I guess you never know. The other thing that needs to be factored in is Brady was also unselfish. He was willing to take much less than what his market should have been. Right. You look at a lot of these other quarterbacks, and, and that's not to knock the quarterbacks to take the payday. If I'm being honest, Mike, I'm getting paid. If I, <laughs> if I have the opportunity to get paid, but Brady put himself above that, and he, you know, he was willing to take half of what he was probably worth year in and year out, which had a lot to do with why he was able to compete as as, as often as he did throughout his career. Also, the fact he was able to do it with two different teams adds to it. He was able to prove that he was able to do it without Bill Belichick, even though he did have a really good team in Tampa Bay. Was without Belichick, without the New England Patriots, he was able to go there and and win another one. It's just incredible. And when I think about Tom Brady, you know, after he retired, I've been watching football pretty religiously since like. I'll say 96, 97. So basically my entire football viewing experience has had Tom Brady in it. And, mm-hmm. and, and made me like think, even though I was never the biggest Brady fan, I was always more of a Peyton guy. Uh, when they were going up against each other, I would always make the argument, you know, well, Peyton was more important to the Colts than Brady was to the Patriots. Peyton didn't have, Peyton had to face Belichick. Brady didn't. Um, it still makes you like really – you know, really appreciate what he meant to the sport and how, you know, he's the greatest. He's the greatest of all time. His work ethic, his accomplishments. And like you said, it's it's never going to be matched. It's not. And as great as Pat Mahomes is, does Tom Brady choke away that lead that Pat Mahomes did, um, you know, in that playoff game? Probably not, even at the age of 44. So you got there's something to be said for that, man. The guy, even even his last game against the Rams, even though the Rams did everything in their power to try to hand it to him, in the back of your head, you're like, Brady's going to find a way to win this game. And he, he just had that he had that aura about him. Yeah, it was rare to see Tom Brady ever get blown out. I mean, we kind of figured that in that Rams game that it was over at halftime, but then they, they found a way to come back. And yeah, it was helped to four fumbles and all that. But still, um, we'll never see a guy like that accomplished, you know, like. I think we, me and you have said this before. We think Rodgers has been the more talented guy, but in terms of accomplishments, achievements, yeah. I don't think anyone's ever coming close. You know, Mahomes might play for another 15 years, but like how many rings can he get in that time? You're not going to get close to Brady. It is what it is. I mean, people want to say like, Oh, Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady. Like, no, we're not, we're not seeing this ever again. It's just, it's one of those things where there's going to be Tom Brady haters out there. My brother's one of them. I live with him. So, you know, he is a Falcons <laughs> fan, so he has that going for him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've just chose over the last few years to really just like just sit back and appreciate Tom Brady. Of course, as Giants fans, we pretty much have no ill will towards the guy. We took care of him in both of the biggest matchups. Even Eagles fans might say the big, uh, the same thing, and they were one-on-one against him in the Super Bowl. But um, I have nothing bad to say about the guy. You know, he's had a tremendous career. I mean, sure, maybe the whole deflated football things was a little blip in, in the radar and all that. But still, at the same time, it's like 
the guy did so much for the game and just, you know, I've been watching football religiously since about like Oh four Oh five. So he's been part of my entire, um, you know, football fandom life. So to have the game without him for the first time is going to be pretty crazy. And um, it's going to be tough to get used to. For sure. And then you, I was just looking at this, the other, like a lot of people would bring up Mahomes, especially if Mahomes won a Super Bowl this year, I think it would have been a topic of conversation. Can he accomplish what Brady accomplished? But when you look at Mahomes, He's done it all up to this point, essentially on a rookie salary. This year, it only counted for $7.4 million against the cap. Starting next year, Pat Mahomes is going to make 36, 46, 44, 46, 41, 59, 44, 44, 50, 52 million dollars on a yearly basis. So I don't see it. I, I This was Mahomes' opportunity to get his second Super Bowl. Will he get another one? Very possible, but it's far from a sure thing. And 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 we know that as well as anybody. You look at a lot of these quarterbacks, you would have said Ben Roethlisberger is going to win five or six after he won a Super Bowl two years into his career. He only won another one, right? So you don't know how this is going to play out over the course of a quarterback's career. John Elway, another perfect example. Dan Marino, they, they went to Super Bowls very early in their careers, and it took John until the very end of his career before he got his first. Marino never got one, even though he went to one, I think his second year in the NFL. So... You know, you don't know if Mahomes is going to get another one of these opportunities. And that's going to turn me to the championship games this week. First off, we didn't get an opportunity to talk about it. I think maybe we did. I can't remember. The the, the matchup between Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes was off the charts. I oh, felt yeah. like I was watching a Madden video game. Like, it was <laughs> neither quarterback could be stopped. I knew the second that Josh Allen got the football, he was going to score. I knew the second that Mahomes got the football, he was going to score. And whoever was going to win the coin toss was going to win that football game. This past game... In the AFC Championship game, give me a complete opposite feeling to it. The first half, Pat Mahomes, much like that game, unstoppable. He's going down the field. You're like, this game's over. You're like, this game's over. This game was over. At, it, leading up into halftime with a second to go, five seconds to go, you're like, all right, they're going to go into the half 28-10. And then Mahomes makes the ridiculous decision to throw that ball to Tyree Kill in the field of play. You got five seconds left. On that play, it's a first free throw. If the guy's not open, you throw it out of the back of the end zone, you take the three points. That play alone cost them the football game. And then on top of that, in the second half, I don't know what it was. And this was the second time that, that uh, Kansas City played the Bengals this year. And I think a lot of this goes to coaching. Because in the second half of that first game, and this game combined, they only surrendered three points to the Kansas City Chiefs in those four quarters combined. And you have to think a lot of that has to go do, do with the adjustments that the Cincinnati Bengals made at halftime. The Chiefs looked like they got away from the run, which was working very well in the first half with Jarek McKinnon. And Pat Mahomes just made poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. You take away the interception. He made like two other throws that should have been picked. He fumbled the ball. He was lucky to recover it when he took the sack right before, uh, half, uh, um, right before overtime. When they had to kick that 45-yard field goal, that was one of the biggest choke jobs I've ever seen from a high-profile quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, even going, you know, going back to the Bills game once again, I actually wanted to ask you about this. We didn't have a podcast since this happened. With the 13 seconds left, you kick that ball in bounds, right? Like, why the 100%. hell does why do they do that? It, it pissed me off. I'm not even a Bills fan. I'm like, how do you not take time off that clock? But anyway, um, yeah, for this game, it was just all about halftime adjustments. We saw a lot more of the Bengals sending three guys and not four and just dropping more in coverage. And there were so many plays in the second half of Mahomes just running around trying to make something happen, and it led to bad throws. It led to that almost very crucial fumble right before uh, overtime started. So, 
you know, our old friend BJ Hill made it, uh, got an interception. Our old friend Eli Apple made the big tackle before halftime. So some former Giants contributing there. But I mean, just the Bengals are a resilient group. You know, you can't really put them away. They always find a way to come back. And it was tough for them to find the offense in the first half, but it got much easier in the second half. They had that Samaje uh, P. Ryan screen pass for a touchdown. Some big plays happened for them offensively. And all of a sudden, we had a football game. But yeah, there's no excuse for Patrick Mahomes to blow that game. And I think Andy Reid's a big problem as well, or Bienemy was ever calling the plays there. They have to run the ball more. You said it. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire averaged six yards per carry, McKinnon was over five yards per carry. And they ran the ball combined like 16 times. And they were leading for most of that game, if not the whole thing, basically. So how do you only run the ball that many times? Like they tried to stick to the pass too much. They got too cute. They got ahead of themselves and, you know, maybe got a bit cocky there. And they let the Bengals back in the game. And now they have to go home because of that. Yeah. And Joe Burrow, I mean, incredible. I mean, yeah. I, I was I, I didn't look this up, so I don't know the exact number. But how many second-year quarterbacks have won a Super Bowl? I know. I think Russ did. I think Ben did. And Brady mm -hmm. did. I think that's it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's one other. And and Burrow has the chance to do this for a team that two years ago had the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> and he, he goes down with an injury his rookie season. They had Jamar Chase. They finished the year at 10 and 7. I didn't take him seriously going into the playoffs. And all of a sudden, this team is now four quarters away from winning their first Super Bowl. And, and a second-year quarterback who was a number one pick. You're not talking about a guy – like Dak Prescott that was a third-round pick that went to a really well-established organization. You're talking about a guy that went to the worst organization. They had the number one pick in the draft, and in two years they've turned this thing around. It's a pretty incredible story. Well, they were what? They were 2-14 and 14 the year that before they got Burrow, and then 4-11-1 last year, and then they make the jump to 10-7. Ten, ten and seven. I mean, It's pretty crazy, honestly. Like We always joke about like you know rebuilds don't take five years, but to, to just execute it perfectly in two years – it's like, it's, I don't know. It's just the tip of the cap. It's an awesome job by the Bengals front office. And I feel like Zach Taylor, I mean, the decision to keep him aboard and not fire him after two years is pretty much what got them here as well. Like, you know, Joe Burrow would have to learn a new system. It'd be a whole different philosophy. So um, having – the Bengals are, of course, notorious for having too many too much patience with their head coaches. But just keeping Zach Taylor along for year three um, is a big reason they got here as well. So – I just think the Bengals, they're a great story, of course, and it's kind of reminded me of some of the Giants' runs back in the day. They're, they're doing it a bit differently, of course, but still, I mean, they have gotten hot at the right time, and I was actually on record of taking the Bengals seriously. I did not think they'd be in the Super Bowl, but I was like, I could see them making a playoff run. They have the they have the weapons. They have the running game. They have the, you know, they can stop the run. They had the, the, the pieces to do it, but for them to actually execute this and pull off a win on the road versus the one-seed Titans and then pull off a road win at the Chiefs, like I gave the Bengals like a 20% chance of winning winning last uh, last game against the Chiefs and they went out and did it. I figured if the game was at Cincinnati, it'd be more of like a toss up game. But I figured at Kansas City, they would take care of them easily. We all thought the game was over. My dad texted me. Oh, I guess the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And then look what happened. So, how do you not think that it was 21-3? Should have been over. Exactly. How many people come back from that? Um, at Kansas City, it's 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 unheard of. So it's they deserve it, and I don't know who to root for because I like both teams a lot. Of course, you know I love Odell, I love Stafford, but I just think both either team winning I think is fine with me at this point. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of good stories going into this Super Bowl. The other game actually played out exactly how I thought it would. 
I, I picked I picked the Niners to cover the three and a half, and I said they'd lose by a field goal. So <laughs> it worked out exactly I thought it would. It was two evenly matched teams. The Niners were trying to win three straight games. We know that's really hard to do, especially against a team as talented as the Rams are. The Rams were my preseason Super Bowl pick. I kind of changed during the playoffs. I went back to the Chiefs just because of how hot they were. But the Rams have looked really good, borderline flawless throughout this playoff stretch outside of the hiccup against Brady at the end of that game where they kind of almost choked that game away. But they're, they, to me, are probably the most talented team in the NFL, 53-man roster. Like, they don't really have many holes on that football team, and they're led by probably the best young coach in the NFL with Sean McVay, who is now going to his second Super Bowl at the age of 35. Like, mm. he's younger than me. He's, got, he's going to his <laughs> second Super Bowl already as a head coach for a team that – when he took over, everybody was saying Jared Goff is a complete bust, number one overall pick. Things weren't looking too you know, hot there. He came in there and he flipped that team around real quick, and they did it in a different way than most teams construct long-term success. They've traded away every draft pick known to man. They've signed free agents, and I don't know how much sustainability they're going to have with this because Stafford's 34. They have a lot of high contracts. This is a Super Bowl where as much as you want to say the Bengals need to cash in because they've never won and it almost feels like a majestic run to it, I could say the same thing about the Rams where, like, they better win because if they don't win this Super Bowl, they might not have another opportunity for a while. Yeah, it would be it would just be a bad look for the Rams if they didn't get it. I mean, you know, I, I guess the Bengals, I, I'd hate to say this, they can't afford to lose this morning. You still have Joe Burrow on the rookie deal. You have your draft picks. You're not tying a bunch of things up. Like the Rams, as you mentioned, I mean, trading for Von Miller, trading for Stafford, Ramsey, gave away all those freaking picks. They have like no cap space. They, they always find a way to make it work somehow, but it's going to get back to them eventually, I think. So to get all the way here and be in the final two and get to the Super Bowl, they have to find a way to get it done. Like if you don't win a championship with – the amount they put into this team, it's it's bad, and they have to do it. So I think the Bengals, though, like they have a, a bright future, and they have more going for them asset wise. But as you said with the Rams, you know Aaron Donald's now probably close to thirty, probably over thirty. Um, of course, you have Odell close to thirty, and and Matthew Stafford, as you mentioned, 33, 34, whatever he is. Um, at some point, these guys are gonna be out of their prime. Even Von Miller, who's still playing at a very high level, but he's now in his like mid thirties almost. So they got to get it done here. I don't know what the future holds for the Rams, but I do think there's more at stake for them if they lose this game. It's gonna be a much worse look. Yeah, and does the Bengals getting there as quickly as they did? Does that give you more hope as a Giants fan that this could turn around real quick? Like, 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 as like a Giants fan base, do you look at this and you say to yourself, okay, maybe, maybe this doesn't look as bad as we think it does. Maybe this can turn around, not necessarily next year, but the year after that, we, we could take a monumental leap. Yeah, I've always been on that mindset, though, of like if you have one or two really good off seasons, you could change a lot. I don't compare us to the Bengals, though, because we don't have Joe Burrow. Right. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. If you if you told me that Daniel Jones was going to be Joe Burrow going forward, I would say absolutely. We have, you know, we have a, a great future here. But um, as we've seen from the playoffs and the limitations from Garoppolo, you have to find that right quarterback. And I, I do hope as Giants fans, we have that. But I just have a tough time believing that based on what we've seen for three years now. So if we had Burrow, I would say definitely. Um, but I, I think it's pretty much been the same way i've always thought it's been it's just that the Bengals somehow executed it perfectly like to get it that right that quickly it's like you don't see it every day but it is possible and they still have a lot of deficiencies on their roster and yeah. you know like their line has been horrible throughout these playoffs but they found a way to overcome it their defense has been a lot better than i thought it would be bates has been incredible he's made a lot of big plays i think their defense has probably been more to do 
with why they got to the Super Bowl than the offense does. Burrow's been great. Don't get me wrong. He made a couple of incredible plays. Um, kind of reminded me of the Eli Manning escape. He made one play in that <laughs> game where I thought he was – I think it was Chris Jones. It looked like he, he had him dead to rights, and he was able to get out of it. He just has like that sixth sense, it feels like, where he, he, he just knows how to make plays. But their defense has been a lot better than I thought it would be in the playoffs as well. And we'll see. I, I, I'm going to pick against the Bengals. I picked against the Bengals the entire playoffs. I've looked like a fool. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go with the Rams. I just think they're the better team. And I think in the end, that Bengals offensive line going up against that really strong defensive line of the, of the Rams – is going to be the difference in the game. And and maybe I'll be wrong, but – and you factor in McVay with two weeks to prepare. Um, I just think it's going to be too much. I do think the Rams will win. I got them by about seven to ten points. I think they'll cover the four. Um, but maybe I'm sleeping on Cincinnati again. We'll see. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you. I didn't know it was four. I was going to I was gonna guess it was three and a half, so that's close enough. But, yeah, I figured that the Rams would win this game by – Four, five, six points. Like, I do think it would be a closer game. But as you said, the Rams are more talented. They have way more experience being there. So um, they have obviously a lot more veterans on that team. So I think, you know, it could go either way, right? Of course, the Bengals are they're on this incredible run, and it feels like they can't be beaten right now. But the Rams have quietly played so well. The Rams had that really crappy October, went one and three. They were, you know, Stafford was getting sacked every single play. But ever since then, they've just been such a good football team. You mentioned they had that one, you know, bad moment in the second half versus Brady. But outside of that, they have looked tremendous. And I think the Rams are better up and down. And I, I can't really bet against uh, Sean McVay, of course. I like Zach Taylor, but Sean McVay is at a different level. He's proven that by now. So, I would say, you know, Rams by four or five, six. That's what I'm guessing right now. Yeah, and there's so much on the line in this game for Stafford, in my opinion. Like, yeah. if Stafford plays great in this game, gets a Super Bowl MVP. Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. Like, right now, he's kind of, I don't know, if he wins this Super Bowl and gets an MVP on top of it, I think that's the cherry on top. I think it cements him. He's kind of in the same spot, Mike, that I think Matt Ryan was. when I was Matt Ryan say, yeah. <laughs> like, almost identical. Like, like, Matt Ryan to me is like 50-50 right now, whether he's a Hall of Famer. Had he won that Super Bowl, I think he's in. I, I think it's the same spot that Ryan was in for Stafford. Stafford's always been a guy that people always said he never had any help. He never had a ground game with the Lions. Give him some help and, and see what the guy could do. He got the help this year. He got McVay. He got a good supporting cast. And now he's in the big game. And I, I think if he wins this game, I don't think you're going to be able to keep him out of Canton. If he loses it, I still think he has some work to do to be a sure thing to make the Hall of Fame. So I think it's an interesting game for Stafford from that standpoint. Yeah, no, it's a great comparison, the the Matt Ryan thing. I, I think, you know, I've always had Stafford and Matt Ryan on like that same tier, like that eight to 10 area. Of course, Matt Ryan's kind of been declining lately. I mean, his team sucks, but still um, just they are in similar situations, you know, uh, rewind back to Matt Ryan, 2016, you know, he was putting up big numbers every single year. But when you think of Matt Ryan, what's the first thing you think of the blown lead, right? That, that's it. And it's like, that's not going to sit right with some people. Um, I guess ultimately he does get in because of longevity and because of the stats. But if he had won that Super Bowl, it's no doubt he's in for sure. And I'm sure Matthew Stafford doesn't want that similar fate. I'm sure Matthew Stafford just wants to get it over with now and supplant his legacy and get into the Hall of Fame and get a ring more importantly. So um, I, I do love Stafford. I've always rooted for him. So I, I hope he gets it done. I was hoping he'd play well last week. That play where, by the way, we didn't talk about this, the dropped interception by Tart. I mean, <laughs> that oh. was a killer. Oh my gosh. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. That the 49ers win if they if, if Yeah, probably. It's not over over, but like there's a very good chance they win that game. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of remind me actually now that you brought it up 
of the time when we played the 49ers. And I think it was Kyle Williams muffed the punt. Yeah. So it, it was similar because if he doesn't muff the punt, they I think he muffed two punts in that game. They yep. they probably go on to beat us. Um, I was just looking at it uh, in terms of like Hall of Fame quarterbacks and who's made the Hall of Fame that has not won a Super Bowl. And there's not many. Uh, you know, modern day quarterbacks, Aikman's won, Bradshaw's won, I think Glenn Dawson won, John Elway won, Brett Favre won, Dan Fouts never won. Um, Jim Kelly never won. He went to four though, but he never won. <laughs> uh, and Dan, and Warren Moon never won. Right. Those three, and uh, Ken Stabler won. I think that's it. I think there's only been three modern day quarterbacks that have made the Hall of Fame without winning a Super Bowl. So, Stafford better win this if he wants to make sure that, you know, he, he's he's in Canton at the end of his career. Maybe Philip Rivers makes it as well. We'll see. But I think all three of those guys are kind of in the same boat. Like, yeah. guys that, like you said, were like on the back end of the top 10 quarterbacks throughout their career, had longevity, but never won that big game. Stafford has that chance to, to take himself out of that mm-hmm. and, and make sure that he gets into Canton at the end. I think out of every player in this game, he is the most riding on it. And It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I think we both agree Rams, but it should be a really good game. I do think the Bengals will keep it somewhat competitive. And uh, hopefully, I just hope it's a good Super Bowl. I don't really have a dog in the fight. If Odell wins, great. If, you know, if Eli Apple loses, great. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not a big Eli Apple fan after some of the things he said. But at the same time, I'm, I kind of have a, you know, a soft spot for, her, uh, for Joe Burrow, um, the way that he's played. So I just hope it's a good game, entertaining game. Hopefully I get to laugh at some com- commercials and we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, and hopefully the Giants are playing in this game in a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of likable guys in this matchup, you know, outside of Eli Apple once again. But, yeah, it's just like it's – I don't root against any of these guys. There's a lot of very uh, fun players in these matchups, of course. And, yeah, I just want a good game and, and good commercials, really. What's the halftime show, by the way? They're doing, like, the it was, California um, rappers, right? They're doing, yeah, like, it's, it's uh, uh, Tupac. No, not Tupac. Dad, what am I saying? It's Dr. Dre. <laughs> Uh, allegedly Dr. he's allegedly dead <laughs> yeah allegedly yeah dr dre eminem i think snoop dogg like all the all the rappers when i was growing up are, oh, are kendrick kind of... lamar too i think yeah Mary yeah he's in, yeah he's in it too so that'll be interesting hopefully, yeah hopefully it's just a, a fun game to watch that's all i ever hope for when it's a super Bowl, unless my team's in it unless a, a rival's in it then i'm you know on you know hoping that they get destroyed but outside of that don't have a dog in the fight just hope it's a good game it's been an interesting playoff though and what it taught me more than anything else was you need an upper echelon quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can win. Like there are definitely instances where you could prove you can win without one. Peyton Manning did it with the Broncos when he was done. Uh, Nick Foles, right. With the Eagles when, you know, he's Nick Foles. Jimmy they, G they was had, a throw away to Emmanuel Sanders. They were a throw away from doing it with him. Yeah. Yeah. So there are instances where you like Garoppolo could have won. Could have. He could have won two years ago or when they made the Super Bowl, had a chance to win this year. But you need an unbelievable roster to do it. When you have a quarterback, it 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 he hides so many of your deficiencies. And I think you've seen that with Burrow. You've seen it with Mahomes in the past. Not that the Chiefs have a lot of deficiencies, even though their defense um, in the past hasn't been the best and their offensive line has been lackluster this year. They improved it. But to compete in a year-in, year-out basis – Like, there could be outliers, but you're not going to be able to do it in a year-on, year-out basis unless you have that top-tier quarterback. And that's got to be the goal for the Giants, uh, you know, long-term. they got to be able to find that guy, whether that's Jones progressing or whether that's replacing Jones in the near future. Yeah, as I said, I I think with Daniel Jones, like – my expectation for him now is he's going to have a better year, obviously. And I, I'm kind of expecting like a 2019 season, but cut the turnovers in half. But is that still enough to make you know he's the franchise guy? That's the problem. I don't want to be in like that middle tier. You don't want to be there. It's a bad place to be. So um, 
you know, we're going to be probably decent enough next year to not get a top five pick, I would hope. But we also might be in a position where we're stuck with Daniel Jones being at like that mediocre level, which you don't want to have. So it's a weird one, but I, I just hope they figure it out somehow. Yeah, I think they have to take the approach the 49ers did, um, where where even if Jones progresses, unless he's like at that, he has to be at a, at least a, no, a near Joe Burrow level for me to want to progress long term with him. If he's not, you have to always think about potentially improving that position. And and I think the Giants have to take the same approach. The Niners did what they had to do to trade up and get their future quarterback with Trey Lance. They did the same thing um, when they had Alex Smith, when they drafted Colin Kaepernick. So uh, I think the Giants have to take a very similar approach, and, and they, they have to continue to try to improve that position. I just don't think this is the year they'll do it. And I think that's the right decision because, Mike, when you, when you really think about it, if I was Shane, I wouldn't draft the quarterback because – it puts pressure on me year one. If I if I could sit back, I didn't draft Daniel Jones, and there's a reason to keep Daniel Jones. Doesn't make a whole lot of money. There's so many other needs on this team. Let me start to fill out the rest of this roster. If Daniel Jones turns into this great quarterback, I look like a freaking genius. If Daniel Jones doesn't work out, oh, well, John, I never drafted the guy. Let me now get my quarterback. It gives him another year before the pressure starts coming down on him. So I think it's what, the, what they will do, and I think it's the right decision. Well, that's why I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, how I, I want to trade one of our two first round picks badly because to give us more ammo for next year. Like think how perfectly this would be for us. It'd kind of be like the Bears trade once again. Say we trade um, our seventh pick to the Steelers and they trade mm -hmm. up for a quarterback. We would have the Steelers, what, like 20th pick this year. And with them having a rookie quarterback next year, okay. they may not have the best record, right? So that's like, that's something I want to do. And if the Giants find the quarterback they love in the 2023 draft, they would now have the assets to get that guy like the 49ers did for Trey Lance so I, I hope they go in that direction it depends what teams are offering you don't want to get fleeced as Dave Gunman once said but um at the same time I do hope they explore that market yeah it was fun talking to Mike we're gonna close it out I hope everybody that's listening enjoys the Super Bowl we both got the Rams we'll see how it plays out enjoy the commercials <laughs> enjoy the food and enjoy the game Mike thanks for coming on buddy all right no problem see you guys